0: Hello! Welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher.
0: And I'm Carrie Poppy. And today, we're going to talk more. We're back. About amazing facts.
1: We only told you some of the amazing facts that we learned last time. And if you haven't heard that episode...
0: You're going to be so confused. If this is the
1: first time you've traipsed upon our show, someone told you, hey, you need to listen to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. And you're like, might as well start with amazing facts. Part two... Uh, uh, uh. Don't do
0: it, you guys. I'd
1: recommend going back and listening to that first part because there's a lot of setup here, a lot to absorb.
0: To be frank, part one is confusing enough.
1: So we are resuming now on day six. Uh, I wasn't there day five.
0: Right, I was. And as you'll recall, I apparently did not know what was going on. (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh Day six. I
0: thought I knew what was going on, but then I wrote it down, came back, looked at my notes, and apparently did not know what was going on.
1: I can hardly blame you. Yeah. All right. So I came back on Saturday, and as I learned, this becomes a regular thing. There are multiple lectures on Saturdays. Right. This was January 14th, and I showed up. I was running a little late. The name of the seminar- I, I th-
0: couldn't be there for some reason.
1: Yeah. What were you doing? Don't remember. Okay. But Jim showed up to join me soon thereafter. And as I got there, they were just at the question asking phase, and just to make sure you were paying attention last time, Carrie, I'm going to ask you some of these questions that they asked us.
0: Okay, because yeah, they do this little pop quiz at the beginning to make sure you were paying attention the day before.
1: Right. It's always five questions, and they're all true or false, and then we all answer in, in unison. In unison. Yeah, so this was difficult for me because I showed up, and I, oh, I haven't done this. I, I oh, wasn't there right. last time. Yeah,
0: okay. Oh, boy, and it's for day five, the confusing day. Okay, here we go.
1: Number one, the 70 weeks of Daniel 9 oh, no. are specifically dedicated... Designated for Daniel's people, the Jews? False. True. True. Daniel 9, 24. <laughs> I
0: only said false because I was like, if it's going to be specifically for the Jews, it's going to be false because they're so big on, like, nothing's for the Jews, everything's for all people.
1: Oh, yeah, but that comes later okay. after 34 AD. Okay, number two. <laughs> all right, sure. The starting point for the 70 weeks is the decree to restore and build Jerusalem.
0: <laughs> false. False. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Number three, the 70th week of Daniel 9 takes place after a 2,000-plus year okay, gap I this one. and at some point in the future.
0: Absolutely. 100% false. Correct. All right. And they don't
1: give scripture for that. They just say, it wouldn't be 70 weeks.
0: That part I buy. Yeah, I remember. That's, you gave them credit for that. Yeah, okay. totally reasonable point.
1: Number four, the Bible teaches that in the midst of the 70th week, the Antichrist will stop the sacrifices false That's right false Jesus did so by his death and finally the word messiah and the word christ both mean the anointed one true correct yeah John 141 right all right, well done, Carrie.
0: Thank you. Well, I got three of those, right? Yeah, three
1: yeah. out of five ain't bad. Dave came up to me and you had given him my email address so he could send me yes. the YouTube link to the private video of the talk that I had missed. Yes. But I hadn't responded to him yet because I hadn't watched it. Felt a little bad, but he cornered me at the beginning. Said, hey, did you get my email? Oh, I did. Thank you. Because
0: he asked me for it and he said, yeah, I said, oh, that's so nice that you're going to send this to Ross. And he said, oh yeah, Ross is one of my guys.
1: Oh. Oh, that's nice. really nice. Jim was happy because right as he came to join me, Nina sang. And so he got to hear Dave's wife, Nina, sing. Mm -hmm. We all prayed. And then Dave started talking about how technology has increased and improved over the years. ENIAC, the first computer, versus what our computers can do now. And I don't know. He didn't tie to any specific prophecy, but I guess the idea is that we're in the time of this amazing technology, which is true. Okay. So then he goes into Daniel 8. And he spends time looking at another vision that oh, no. Daniel has. <laughs> and I, I want to read just a little bit of this just to make you squirm.
0: Oh, please let it be a little. Stay focused. Stay focused. In
1: the third year uh-huh. of King Belshazzar's reign, okay. I, Daniel, had a vision. Okay. After the one that had already appeared to me. Mm-hmm. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two... <laughs> <laughs> with two horns mm-hmm. standing beside the canal and the horns were long. <laughs> One of the horns like, was- <laughs>
0: First of all, first i all, just say a ram with long horns. He doesn't even have economy of words. I saw a ram with horns and the horns were long. Just say two long horns, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. That
1: would have made sense. One of the horns was longer than the other. Oh
0: my God. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but grew up later. What? It was longer than the other, but, but grew, grew up, up later? later.
0: What is that? Okay. Uh huh. I
1: watched the ram as it charged toward the west and the north <laughs> and the south. <laughs>
0: Not the east, okay. (laughs) No,
1: no east. Okay. Only the west, north, and south. Uh No animal could stand against it, and none could rescue from its power. It did as it pleased and became great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. Uh Now, let me guess. This is not really a dream about a ram, because it couldn't possibly be about a fucking ram. Nope.
1: I love just the next verse here. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between its eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: They have a fight. That's what that's all about. Okay, great. The ram and the goat. In Daniel 7, we had all of these unclean animals. A leopard, bear, a beast. Uh-huh. These are, you know, a ram and a goat and they are clean. Okay. And you know what? I wish I could tell you why that was significant. <laughs> <laughs> they represent, it's the same prophecy again. They're still talking about the Medo-Persians. <sighs> the shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the horn between its eyes is the first king. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, I was rereading this tonight. I was like, oh, Carrie's going to hate this. Yep, I do. I was so excited.
2: Here. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> I was interested in the last part of verse 26 though that says that it concerns the distant future so you got to ah. give them that at least they're realizing that this is completely irrelevant to the time in which it was delivered wait
0: it says that in the bible it yeah. says this concerns the distant future Yeah.
1: seal up the vision for it concerns the distant future oh god all right. okay i'll give them that one all right but why so uh-huh.
0: and why is it not about farm animals that's what i really <laughs> want to know
1: especially if they're going to interpret it for you yeah. Why? Why give all this talk about the animals?
0: It reminds me of this lady. Any one time who had a dream that she locked her dogs in a car. She literally had two dogs, and mm-hmm. she was like over analyzing the dream. I think the dream is really about how I am locking up all my dreams and goals, and how I need to like pursue all my goals and blah, blah blah. And I was like, maybe the dream is about how you're worried you're gonna lock your dogs in a car.
1: Was her name Daniela? No. Uh. Wow.
0: But you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like- sometimes
1: a cigar is just a cigar, right? So it was at this point, and I texted you, Dave said, I love the clarity of scripture, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) That was really apropos. Mm. I was having a hard time. This was one of the ones where he went very quickly, and I'm like struggling to write everything and flip around in the Bible. I'm like, wait, wait, where are we going? What? What just happened? Yeah. So we spent some time looking at the composition of the tabernacle. What is
0: the tabernacle?
1: Oh, yeah. So this is a fancy tent in the desert, this whole structure that's built as the house of God, essentially, amongst the Israelites while they were wandering about in the wilderness for 40 years. There's all these sections of Exodus and Leviticus that talk about exactly how to construct this and what goes where. You have this outer wall, and then inside there's like a tent, and inside of that there's this holy of holies, and that's this really important part, because that's where God lives, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant goes, Mm -hmm. that you saw in Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Yes, I did, personally.
1: In like, no one can walk in there except for one day of the year, the high priest can go in there. Otherwise, like, if they go in there, they'll die. Right. I remember growing up hearing all these stories. Oh, yeah, if they went in there, they died, and they would always have like a rope tied around the priest so they could drag him out in case he died, because... You know, he was standing in front of God's holiness. Hardcore. He spent a lot of time going over like all the exact materials used and what exactly was there on top of the ark, including the Shekinah glory. That's a glowing light that represents God's presence.
0: One thing I don't know if we mentioned in the last episode is that throughout all of this, David keeps mentioning, now, you know, you can stop me if I say anything that is not found in the Bible. Like but every... can you carry? <laughs> yeah. Can you actually stop him? Not really. I mean, for a couple reasons. One is that that's super awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just interrupt a public speaker and be like, Um, excuse me? I didn't follow your last point. Uh-huh. Second, you raised your hand a couple times and he ignored you.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, th- this comes later. But yeah, if you do try to raise your hand, he'll kind of look at you awkwardly and then move on.
0: Right. But and he's got
1: a lot of ground to cover and these are already long
2: lectures. Sure. So I mean, I it's that. an
0: awkward thing to ask of anyone to do anyway. Right. And third... It's very hard to put your finger on how someone is extrapolating too far from the text. Like, it's not like, oh, what you just said is made up whole cloth, so much as like, oh, what you just said seems like a real stretch.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you're waiting for them to fully build the argument. So, like, right. okay, that felt like a stretch, but maybe you're about to justify yeah, it. Yeah, I'm keep gonna going to give you the benefit you. of the
0: doubt. Right. Yeah. And so you'd have to raise your hand at the very end of the talk and be like, okay, I've now made a determination. I decided that was not from the bible Mm -hmm. and in fact sounds crazy thank you
1: so uh, he spent a lot of time talking about the nature of sacrifice and why it was so important that we kill animals for god and how the life of the flesh is in the blood Mm -hmm. and somehow this is really important to god that you kill an animal on his behalf and it was kind of sad dave was talking about how hard it would be to slit the animal's throat and he was being kind of graphic in his description of it and he said it would make you not want to sin again right that you had to do this to this Mm. poor innocent animal. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, yeah, though no one got to the end of the year and was able to say on the Day of Atonement, oh, well, I didn't sin at all so I don't have to kill the Uh, animal. right, yeah. So you're going to have to no matter what. Right. I don't know. It was sad.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem to work as a uh, deterrent.
1: Then the priest sprinkles the blood of the animal seven times because seven is the number of perfection and completion. We learn that. Essentially, it seemed to be talking about uh, the nature of sacrifice and why God needed to set up that system of dealing with our sins so that later on, Jesus could come as the final sacrifice.
0: Ah, okay. So
1: it was a big setup. But then also it was looking at that the 2,300 years that's mentioned in Daniel... Which was interesting because it's like actually a number that doesn't sound crazy or like it's a number that isn't built out of time, times, and a uh, dividing uh-huh. of time. It was actually said 2,300 days, which prophetically is years.
0: Supposedly, yeah. At least it
1: was a big number that was <laughs> right. there in the text. So yeah, good job.
0: So for anyone who didn't grow up with Christianity, there is this concept that I think probably has permeated most of the culture, but just in case, that Jesus died so that people who who accept him can have their sins absolved and you accept that as forgiveness for your own sins and that lets us all into heaven. So it sounds like this day is kind of setting up how Jesus taking on that sin for you allows you to get that forgiveness.
1: Right. But it's important to understand how God set up the system that Jesus is now fulfilling, not replacement theology. He's not replacing it. He's fulfilling. Right. Because
0: we used to just have to Make poor animals do it for us,
1: right? I, I remember being taught that Hebrews ten was really like the chapter in the Bible that spelled that out. In particular, that's a book in the New Testament, and that particular chapter like really spelled out that Jesus's sacrifice was—you know—he was that blameless lamb that was finally slayed for all of us. And yeah, all of this killing of the animals and this whole atonement thing is where we get the term for scapegoating. There was another ritual where they would allow this one goat to escape out into the wilderness with our sins. Mm. That is the scapegoat.
0: And then that one goat would have one horn that was very long, and the other one would be short, but the one would (laughs) grow to the east.
1: I think you'd already covered this with your group, but we learned that in A.D. 34, that is when the gospel will go to the Gentiles. So the Jews had their chance.
0: They were on probation.
1: Exactly. He
0: loves his legal metaphors.
1: (laughs) And then probation was up in A.D. 34. So that was the main thrust of that first lecture. Then we got a little break. Uh, we came right back for the second lecture. Uh, what was this one? The best lecture of the evening. This was God's Great Judgment.
0: The best of two? Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we get back in and Lowell does another introduction and he asks, is anyone here a good husband? Ooh! And I'm looking around like, oh, okay. This is another participatory thing. Well, uh, no one was offering that they're a good husband. I thought, well, I'm pretty good husband. So I raised my hand and and he says, oh, come on up here. I said, okay. I thought maybe I'd have some other good husbands in a room filled with like 70 people or however many are here. And so I get up there and he said- Everyone
0: else is like, this is a trap.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They had better sense than I did. So I get up there and, and he says, oh, where's your wife? I said, "Well, she's at home. He said- Go sit down.
2: <laughs> I <was> like,
1: oh, <laughs> all right. And so I go back to my my seat. But like everybody's like, oh, they feel like bad for me. And I hear this woman behind me. After he asks, "Are there any good wives here?" As someone like tells her, well, "You're a good wife. Go up." She it- said, "I don't have my husband with me. I'll get turned away like he did." Oh, <laughs> it, it was sad.
0: You should have paired up. You should have been like, "This is my wife."
1: What is your name again? <laughs> uh, Rossi? Yeah, Rossi. Nah. So I got rejected as a good husband. Lol. Good old lol. LOL. <laughs> so the whole theme of this particular night was the final judgment and that we are all going to be judged. So we've set up atonement and forgiveness of sins. But at the end of all this, at the end of history, comes this judgment. There, there was one point in here where Dave said that God gave his friend cancer. And I went, wait, what? And so I wrote, I wrote that down. And I assume that could only have been a slip of the tongue but he mentioned this as a good thing because the friend accepted Christ as a result.
0: I mean, I guess that's true, right? It doesn't matter if if it's just
1: your earthly coil.
0: Yeah, or I mean, if God gives you everything in your life, then God gives you cancer, right? I
1: guess so, though I don't think you know, there's plenty of bad things that happen that they would not ascribe to God.
0: I don't know. Maybe they do, though. I don't know.
1: Maybe. Yeah, anyways, that stood out to me, but I thought, oh, that must have just been a slip of the tongue. But it was for his salvation, so... I guess wow. all's well that ends well. Yeah. So then he talked about that period of time, the 2,300 years that would be fulfilled. And so he started that 2,300 years in 457 BC. We all remember as the command to restore, restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, we all remember that. So
1: if you add 2,300 to that, <laughs> mm-hmm. you get the judgment happening in 1844.
0: Oh, but that didn't and, happen. But
1: don't you remember when... When Jesus came back? Oh,
0: yes, 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 yes. Jesus came back, 1844. He judged the quick and the dead. Gathered everybody up. He said, everybody back up to heaven, please. Everyone was like, here we go. The world was over. And Uh then we were like, you know what? Actually, come on back. Let's Let's keep Let's invent the TV.
1: (laughs) Farnsworth, get on it. Yeah, so this is where he brings up William Miller. Uh And I got super excited because, for those of you who don't follow apocalyptic literature and failed end-time prophecies, William Miller... Also known
0: as normal people. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) read normal people. William Miller was this guy who rose up as a preacher, and he had been reading the Bible closely and had figured all this out, and he knew the world was going to end in originally 1843. Dave didn't mention that. He just went straight to like the final prediction, but he said Jesus would come back and he had all the scriptural evidence and then Jesus didn't come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one of his... Acolytes again, they didn't really mention this, but like someone else who was kind of a follower said, Oh, well, let's revise this. And turns out we're actually one year off. And so they say, Oh, yeah, it's going to be October 22nd, 1844. That's going to be it. Sell all your goods. And so all these people like sell everything they own and they go meet with him on just the right mountain at just the right time. And they're waiting for Jesus and they wait and they wait. And this is what became known as the Great Disappointment. Mm -hmm. And so Dave even copped to that. But he said, William Miller was right about the day. He was just wrong about the event. Uh Aha. Yeah. And so this this was the moment where I went, whoa, okay. So we have some Millerites here who Mm -hmm. have trickled down through some other splinter groups. So we're either talking to Seventh-day Adventists or Branch Davidians, or maybe Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. But I thought, I bet we're dealing with some Seventh-day Adventists here.
0: Okay, so the Millerites... Only have, like, a few groups that are extant in the world today is what you're saying.
1: Right, yeah. yeah. Like, various followers of Miller then kind of created their own interpretations and in how to reconcile, you know, why he was wrong, essentially.
0: And the Branch Davidians are the David Koresh group. They're pretty much gone. Yeah, they had and we're that, talking about the Waco group that yes, went up and yeah, that uh, went up in Yeah, that conflict
1: with the government right. where they ended up uh, self-immolating. Yeah, right. it was terrible. One of the worst cult events in history of the U.S.
0: Yeah, so you texted me and said, oh my gosh, Uh I think they've tipped their hand at the church that they're affiliated with, and I could not wait to hear. Oh, and also, through wild coincidence, my partner Drew had just brought home the book When Prophecy Fails from the library, which is all about... Um, ah. Prophetic events. Well, it's what it sounds like, right? Prophetic events that fail and how the groups deal with them. And there's a whole chapter devoted to the Millerites. Oh, perfect. So i got to read up on him. Yeah, too funny.
1: There's a book that I highly recommend called A History of the End of the World mm-hmm. by Jonathan Kirsch, one of my favorite authors. Highly recommend that one. And it looks from the time of the early church all the way till now, all of these failed end time predictions. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating perspective on people constantly thinking the world is going to end, but the world just refuses to end. Right. So I liked Dave's line here after he talked about the great disappointment. He said that God will take that disappointment and turned it into a great appointment.
0: Aha! Uh-huh. Clever. What is the great appointment?
1: Well, it's not like a recognized thing. It's just that God will take a disappointment and he'll turn it into an appointment. So in this case, the, the Seventh-day Adventist church, we would assume, like you're being appointed to do something. Ah, uh, okay. Got you're it. being given a mission.
0: See, I could, didn't know if you meant that kind of appointment or like an appointment. Like I need to make this appointment. Oh,
1: gotcha. Got yeah. it. You're, you're being humbled for being wrong, but now God is giving you a new mission. It was just like when Jesus died because that was a great disappointment, but it turned out To be a great appointment. Aha! Because now we're in the age of the church. Right. And we get the Holy Spirit and all that. So, wow, this was wild. So he wanted to make the case that 1844 was this momentous year. And so he started linking it to all of these other developments going on in the world. And so, first of all, he said that Karl Marx founded socialism in 1844. And uh, he had the little quote with a picture of Karl Marx, religion is the opiate of the masses. I don't even know if that's true if it was founded in 1844. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he said that Charles Darwin completed his manuscript of the origin of species in 1844. Okay. Like, wow, okay, well.
0: Random part of that story, but okay. He
1: released the book in 1859. Right. But we're going for 1844 here, so that was an important moment that he completed the manuscript. Yeah, and then he very clearly said that Darwin was a racist and said that if you look Uh. at... Course. The original subtitle said "preservation of the races." Mm-hmm. Of course, that had nothing to do with the races of humanity. That was right. either deceptive or just Ignorant. uninformed, mm-hmm. right? And then he talked about Joseph Smith, who created Mormonism in 1830, or at least wrote the book. But 1844 is really important because Joseph Smith was killed that year when he jumped out of the the jailhouse window and was, was shot. And so I thought, okay, well, that's a really weak connection.
0: It's it kind of makes him seem like a martyr too.
1: That's true, and I think he even. Kind that he also connected the year with John Nelson Darby, the father of dispensationalism. Okay and Andrew Jackson Davis who was a prominent spiritualist and had a vision in 1844.
0: These all just seem totally random. Yeah, Good I guys, s- bad guys, whoever.
1: I, I think the message he's trying to get across is that this was just such a year of import. All of these great things uh-huh. happened to change the the future of humanity and mm-hmm. usher in the time of judgment.
0: Right. It's almost kind of like, it feels sort of like uh, Mercury's in retrograde. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Just, uh, just so much shit was going on.
1: And then he mentions Sigi C- Ali Muhammad might be saying that wrong, but he was the creator of the Baha'i faith. He didn't create it that year, but he had a vision that year. Oh, great. Yes, like we're really grasping at straws. Uh, What I've heard since then is that in 1844, I think the Seventh-day Adventists believe that Jesus entered the Holy of Holies in heaven, and that was the big event that was predicted, but we just didn't see it on earth.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okie dokie. So uh, then. So at this point, you're start. You've mentioned Seventh Day Adventism a couple times. So Mm -hmm. you. So you're really suspecting that of those faiths, it's Seventh Day Adventism. I'm pretty sure. And I'll let you in on a little secret, Ross. At this point, I was at home, and I was looking up stuff about Amazing Facts and had found that people were saying, ah, this is kind of a front group that is really just evangelizing Seventh-day Adventism. So when you texted me, I was like, oh, okay. I wonder if those people were right.
1: I have in my notes here, I leaned over to Jim and said, are these Seventh-day Adventists? And he said,
0: yes. So.
1: I think he'd looked at their website as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, it
0: wasn't on their website. It was other people saying it.
1: okay. Because
0: on their website, it's not really there. I'll tell you more about it. But it's okay. not, uh, on their website, they're not very forth- He'd right been
1: doing it. some independent research. So okay. he knew that. Yeah. So yeah, now I think all of us
0: Right. Get it. Their Wikipedia page might say it, but they're not very forthright about it Mm. on the website.
1: Okay. So uh, then Dave goes into another series of court metaphors, and he talks about this Day of Judgment. This is right up his alley now. Phase one, investigation. Phase two, the verdict. Phase three, sentencing. And we are jumping all over the Bible looking at all these different references. We learn that there are these various books that are going to be had on the Day of Judgment that will have our names written in them or not. And there's this Book of Life and a book of remembrance, and a book of iniquity. Oh, I I even wrote over here, flipping through verses fast today, exclamation mark. (laughs) So yeah, I just have this long string of verses where we're looking at all of these verses about, they will reveal the hidden things, the counsels of the heart. Create in me a clean heart, and will be judged by the law. Create in me a clean
0: heart, oh Oh God. Oh, more God.
1: And renew a right spirit within within me. me. That's from Psalms. But the important thing is, when we are being prosecuted in the day of judgment, if we have chosen Jesus, he will be our defending attorney.
0: Ah, right.
1: And he knows the judge. Mm. Who turns out to be? Who do you think the judge is? Also him? Yes. Oh, you did better than I did. I was like, the father. And a (laughs) a lot of us were like, oh, it's probably the father. No, Jesus is also the judge. (laughs) So I wrote over here, the system is rigged. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it really does seem to be.
0: Yeah, I would be so mad if like I showed up at court and they were like, "Okay, you have to go through this rigmarole." Oh, I'm gonna argue for you. Okay, well, uh, you're gonna have to present a good case, Mister Barrister. He, okay, he runs up. He runs, well, up, yeah, he runs up to the yeah. judge
1: stand. He puts on a wig. yeah,
0: puts on different hats. <laughs> it's like an uh, episode of I Love Lucy in like a like a small town prison. Mm -mm.
1: So we see all these scriptures about Jesus being the one who judges us. And oh, man, you can see my notes here. Like every line there is a new scripture verse. So we were just jumping around like mad. So at the end, Dave prayed and he asked Jesus to represent us and blot out our sins. Lowell did reverse his position on me as a husband. I think he felt bad or maybe someone gave him a hard time about it. Uh But he did call me up afterwards and he gave me an orange San Pellegrino.
0: Oh, how nice.
1: That was my reward for being a good husband. Oh, thank goodness. He apologized to me. I had no idea what was going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
1: for the soda. That's great.
0: He must have felt guilty.
1: I think so. Uh, And then we had a long conversation. Jim and I talked to Dave and he wanted to know what Uber was. He'd never heard of Uber.
0: Wait, who did? Dave. Dave. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Right. Like he maybe had heard of it, but he had no idea like how it actually worked. Wow. Jim is an Uber driver. And so he was telling Dave all the details. And so we had a long conversation about that. And then he wanted to know how Jim and I knew each other. So we mentioned our trivia connection Mm -hmm. because Jim does trivia nights for King Trivia here in town. He wanted to know all about that too. So we sat around talking for a good like extra for half an hour but I'm thinking I gotta get home it's late I've listened to two lectures
0: yeah flash forward to the next day uh-huh try to in your mind's eye go forward uh, something like 20 hours
1: I was super tired after having been to a conference that weekend oh yeah that's why I missed that other one is because I was giving a talk at a skeptical conference
0: alright and when
1: Dave asked where I was you told him that I was giving a talk about science
0: yes that's right
1: thanks for doing that
0: I know there were a couple of t- during this that I like I don't know why I'm usually I think more careful about this stuff I'm always like oh don't give this stuff away right but for some reason in this one David asked me where you were and I was like oh he's giving a talk then he was like (laughs) a talk oh is he a preacher and I was like no he's giving a talk about science (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just happened. I just Rob. have
1: to just offer happen. all the information.
0: And then there was another thing I told him about you. What was? Oh yeah, another time you were at a fuck Trump party. It was a, you were. It was
1: on the inauguration night, and yeah. it was a commiseration party. And, and yeah. he
0: asked where you were, and I was like, uh, he's at a party for people who were sad that Donald Trump got elected. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay.
1: Just feel the need to offer that information. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wasn't just like, he's out, he's out of he, or I don't know, I don't know where he, he is. He
1: had a prior arrangement with friends.
0: Yeah, or no. like, gosh, I'm not sure. He didn't say.
1: He's real upset about the outcome he's of the specifically, election. Specifically,
0: uh, he's very liberal and very <laughs> upset about the outcome. My friend, the science speaker, oh, he's upset about our new conservative president. Please Google him more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. I think that
1: was pretty much the gist.
0: But I don't think he did. Google I guess you more. not. Oh, by the way, the reason I wasn't there on January 14th, the night before. Yeah, why weren't you there? Because it was Ella Poppy's 10th Oh, yeah. Birthday. That's right,
1: you had a birthday party at your domicile.
0: For my dog. All right. Yes, and uh, this had been on the calendar for a year because I thought it was very funny to send people save-the-date cards a year in advance for a dog's birthday party. Uh, I
1: still say it's Satan that was trying to keep you from this lecture.
0: <laughs> so I couldn't two be lectures. there. But I'll have you all know, Ella had a great birthday party with dogs and humans and soy sausages and french fries, so Yay.
2: it was good. Okay. Anyway,
0: uh, on the 15th.
1: Welcome back. It's a Sunday now. We both show up. Yep, and, and... the first thing
0: I have written down is, you're an guy got a book
1: oh that's right as i was going to the bathroom beforehand the man next to me in the urinal turns over and says boy i sure hope i win something i mean i don't think i'm as lucky as you <laughs> and i'm sitting there peeing <laughs> <I> <laughs> turn back, i'm like well, good luck i hope you get it and, but, <laughs> and then
0: you started sword fighting with your penis
1: yeah we had to kind of duck out from behind the stall to do that but you do what you have to so <laughs> yeah he won a book and good job Yay!
0: Yeah. Okay, so then we did the pop quiz, and I correctly guessed that the last statement was true because it sounded defensive. (laughs) remember that. People weren't really sure about the last statement. Everyone was like, "Uh, I'm not sure.
1: Okay, the last question was, the judgment can be placed after 1798 because it comes after the little horn.
0: Ah, right. Then a woman whose name I never quite got, but it sounded like they kept calling her Charo. Really? I I always have her name down as Charo question mark. It was probably like Cheryl or something, but it just kept sounding like Charo.
1: That's funny. I wrote Cheryl question mark.
0: Okay. Well, let's call her Charo because that's more fun. Uh Charo got up to sing. She's a good singer. Mm -hmm. And she was backed up by a recording of like this swelling violin synth music. Ooh. So that was nice. And then David told us, now you probably think that Jezebel is the most wicked woman in the Bible, but she's not. She's mm-hmm. not Ross, you mm-hmm. know who is?
1: The the harlot of Revelation?
0: No, Jezebel's oh. daughter, cuz she killed her grandsons.
1: Oh, that's right. All right. Athalia was yeah, the name of the so. daughter? Something like that. I
0: don't even know why he was telling us this, because then he just like started telling us about the I rapture. Could,
1: I could look it up, but I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, no, it's
0: okay. The second coming is referenced to one out of every 25 verses in the New Testament.
2: Ooh.
0: Yeah, talked about a lot. So yeah, we were going to talk about the rapture today.
1: Yeah, Revelation's glorious rapture is the name of this particular lecture.
0: And this time, Ross, I think... It was preordained because the very first verse we were to look at, which was John fourteen one through three. Oh yeah. I, I just, go to
1: prepare a place for it. Oh yeah. I
0: just opened the Bible right to that page. Uh-huh. I just opened it and there it was. And I was very excited.
1: That's pretty miraculous. Thank you. I was thinking about that because he's talking about how Jesus says that he's gonna go away for us and he's gonna prepare all these mansions for us. And it's really weird because you get this kind of like delayed materialism Mm -hmm. with people waiting for heaven. Oh, we don't need all these fancy things in earth because we're getting them later and they're going to be even better. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny, you mentioned that, and people did do that at this, and I was like, oh, that's the thing Ross was saying. But I don't remember people doing that at my churches. Mm. Yeah, I never took that mansion stuff literally at my church. I didn't think I actually got a mansion. Okay. But people were definitely doing that here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember, though, ever thinking like, oh, I literally get a big house.
1: He even said, God will make us places better than Trump Towers.
0: Wow. I thought,
1: hmm. Though usually Dave was pretty scrupulous about trying to distance himself from any sort of political...
0: Yeah, almost too much. He
1: played pretty carefully at not making any statements one way or the other.
0: But there were some times where it was like pretty obvious which way he fell. Just
1: what a thing to compare Jesus's mansions to Trump Towers. Yeah. So this is where he talks about the Thief in the Night verse and and says, okay, well, you know, obviously Jesus isn't a thief. This is just to let you know that it won't be expected. This is where I drew a picture of Jesus floating above the earth and someone standing on the opposite side of the earth because that's going to be a problem. We're all supposed to see him come in the clouds, mm-hmm. uh, but what if we are at a different part of the planet where we cannot see him earth from Earth is there? a
0: circle is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oblong spheroid. And so that's where I first raised my hand and Dave would kind of be talking and you'd see he glance at me very briefly. So he knew I was raising my hand, but then he'd turn his head and look at the other side of the audience. So I'd give up after a while. And then I raised my hand again, he'd do the exact same thing. So. I'll
0: admit, this first time he did this, I was like, what are you doing? A <laughs> person does not raise their hand in a talk like this? What is Ross doing?
1: I was I was going to ask him, like, just, you know, how do we deal with that issue?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, so he said, Jesus' return won't be secret. Everyone will see it. He said, it's like a lightning storm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but then I wrote down, like, well, maybe that's not the best metaphor, because you can't see that more than a few hundred miles away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah, at some point we were looking at a verse, too, that mentioned the four corners of the earth. And so that's a problem because, again, with the logic they use, they would normally parse something like this and say, and what shape has four corners? Right. And then everybody would say together, a a square. A rectangle. A rectangle. A
0: rhombus.
1: Yeah, but clearly... They weren't going to use that same logic here to read the Bible plainly, uh, so that hand was ignored as well.
0: They said angels are coming back with Jesus. He won't be alone.
1: Mm -hmm. Those angels will have trumpets. It's going to get loud.
0: Side note, here I wrote down specifically that Gil has a beard but no mustache. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> this is a look that I find very perplexing <laughs> when men have beards and no mustaches. Okay. Anyway, then he showed us. <laughs> then he showed us an insane painting of angels pulling people out of their graves.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, it says in scripture that first the dead will rise. So like the the good dead, the ones who have accepted Jesus, they will rise first. And then those of us who are still alive will be caught up with them. Oh, you
0: just assume that we're not going up first, Tom Ross?
1: Oh, no. This is the scripture. These aren't amazing opinions.
0: No, I know. But you said those of us who aren't.
1: Oh, I'm I'm calling us saved. Is that what you're taking? No, it sounded
0: like you were calling us not saved, Ross. It sounded like you assumed that you and I would not be going up in the first group.
1: No, because we're not dead. Oh, see, yeah. So first, you're just
0: assuming we're alive.
1: Yeah, sorry. So so first, those who are dead for some reason get resurrected. Got it. But not the wicked dead. They just stay dead. Right. This is a very important part of the theology that they represent here. I
0: will say I'm with them on this. Okay. like Because I remember reading this as a believer and being like, oh, <laughs> the, this is not what I've been taught. Because mm-hmm. you're taught, I don't know, in mainstream Protestant church, you're just sort of taught like you die, you go to heaven, you wait for your family there. That's not what's in the Bible.
1: The Bible, I would say, is inconsistent about it. But yeah, they have a, a reading of the Bible that actually I feel is pretty consistent. But yeah, there will be a separate lecture just on that. Yeah. So we'll definitely get to that. The operative verses here for the rapture, oddly enough, not in Revelation. It's from 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command... With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. All right. So yeah, this one little section that talks about us rising up in the air, that's where the whole belief in the rapture comes from. Crazy. Yeah.
0: He had us read 1 Corinthians 16.52. I noticed there that this is a place where they mention our president.
1: And the Trump. At the now. last
0: Trump. At yeah. the
1: last Trump. Yeah. I hope this is the last Trump. Yeah. <laughs> The trump will sound and the dead shall rise in 1 Corinthians 15.
0: Oh, yeah. And then David said specifically that in our new bodies, we won't have any of our old ailments. And he said, if you you get migraines, you won't get migraines anymore. Yeah,
1: you're excited about that. And there was a little lady behind us who said, no more wrinkles.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's real cute.
1: No more disease. No more bad knees. No more chronic sneeze.
0: Did he say that?
1: Uh, That's what I wrote. I think maybe I was just having fun at that point.
0: (laughs) All the beautiful cities will be destroyed when Jesus returns. Like a thief in the night, Ross. Yeah,
1: and he addressed that. Now let's read closely this thief in the night.
0: Because, okay, here's why. Mm -hmm. Because you're listening to all this and you're like, okay, you're saying it's going to be really obvious when Jesus comes back. But what about those scriptures that say Jesus is coming back like a thief in the night, which makes it sound like he's going to be a total surprise. No one's going to expect him. Like a fucking thief in the night. Mm -hmm. But he says, ah, that's a misconception that this means he goes unnoticed. It just means he comes by surprise, okay? All right, the end.
1: I'll sign on to that.
0: Yeah, I wrote, okay, fine, I buy this.
1: But those who are ready won't be surprised.
0: Yeah, might be surprised by the moment, but won't be surprised in the larger sense.
1: Yeah, he said that some people preach a secret rapture, but not so. And we were jumping all over scripture again. This was another day, really heavy on the scripture. I should count how many verses he covers in a single lecture on average. This is my, oh, yeah. this is my statistician brain wanting to know. Because I wrote down, I think, every single scripture reference that he mentioned in these lectures. In fact... Yeah, w- what
0: would you guess? i guess something like 30
1: per, per lecture. That sounds right, or even low. For this entire seminar, we won't tell you just yet how many lectures there were, but I wrote 54 pages of notes. Oh, wow, yeah. So much to cover.
0: Also about David, he asks a lot of leading questions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now some people think that the Bible means X, but does the Bible actually say that? So you just know the answer is like no. Nah. Mm-hmm. Right. Just know the way exactly you're phrasing the say. question
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, he read us Luke seventeen, thirty-four to thirty-seven and twenty-six to thirty, which mention two men lying in one oh, bed yes. when and Jesus he- returns and he's like, Now this isn't referring to anything sinister. Okay? <laughs> Letting us know that homosexuality right, is a sin, of is
1: bad, yes. Yeah. They very much frown on homosexuality.
0: Oh, yeah, and then you and I laughed because the verse goes on to say, two women shall be grinding together. <laughs>
1: and then we both involuntarily started cracking yeah. up. Because it was right <laughs> after the admonition about two men lying in one bed.
0: <laughs> two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken, and the other left. And then we just picture these these two poor lesbians (laughs) making love and one's like where'd she go
1: this lecture is getting really hot all of a sudden
0: Oh, but one interesting thing. Yeah. Usually in the lore, the one who's taken away is thought to be the believer, right? Like the spirit of the believer is gone. But he kind of flips this around. Mm. He says it's the non-believer who's gone because oh, yeah. their life is now in ruin.
1: Right. Yeah. They're utterly destroyed. Yeah. So the idea is like Jesus shows up and all the good people get resurrected and all the bad people die for the next thousand years.
2: Right.
0: Right. That's all flipped. That's pretty interesting. Yeah.
1: And so then there was this big debate about the tribulation. That's this time of trouble. And so the question is, does that come before the rapture or after the rapture? The teaching here seemed to be that we are already in the times of tribulation. We're experiencing trials and difficulties here while we're in the current age of the church. Mm -hmm. But that will all come to an end. At the Day of Judgment.
0: At this point, he tells this tale that seems apocryphal to me about a lady who stopped coming to these meetings. And that her daughter came up to him and said, I cry every night because, David, you took away my hope that she wouldn't have to go through the tribulation.
1: Right. And she's been, like, crying inconsolably ever since then. And so David just kind of responded to that saying, well, maybe she needs more faith in God.
0: Yeah, I had to wonder if she didn't have enough faith in God. Oh, great. Cool. Real cool, David.
1: (laughs) That's interesting because they don't really preach this kind of fire and brimstone thing that we'll get to later, but it seems like there's still plenty of room for things to worry about. Yeah. for those not, you know, in in the right mental state mm-hmm. to be taught these things.
0: Then he also mentioned the left behind series. Yeah,
1: it, it, to make clear that this is not left behind that they got it wrong. So
0: left behind is this like popular Christian fiction series about the rapture.
1: And it's very much like that Thief in the Night film that I was raised with where the Antichrist comes to power and then the rapture happens, but there's a bunch of people left on earth to try to figure out if they can be saved, maybe, maybe not. But according to David and Amazing Facts, that doesn't happen. The wicked die and the the good are taken away for a thousand years.
0: Oh yeah, he said. I realize this is at odds with the Left Behind series, where unfortunately, truth is left behind. Uh, and I wrote down, I instinctively said, oh shit, probably too loudly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's no second chances, essentially. The time of salvation is now, as it says in the Bible. And if you haven't chosen by then, by the time Jesus comes back, well too bad. You lost your chance. Oh shit. That's Carrie's version of amen.
2: <laughs>
1: that verse is 2 Corinthians 6.2. Oh shit. No. <laughs> in an acceptable time I have heard you, now is the time for salvation.
0: You shook your finger in the air as you said it. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yeah,
1: it's a finger shaking kind yeah, of verse. Yeah. Now is the time ah! for salvation. Don't put it off till later is the message. He would frequently punctuate his messages with these stories that would, you know, give some relevant example. I would say roughly half of them I had heard before in my time as a Christian. Oh, right. And so it was just really interesting to see which ones were kind of preserved and still passed around, mm-hmm. even in the Seventh Day Adventist fold.
0: Like we said in the first episode, so many of them were like chicken soup for the soul kind of stories where it's like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, was they this don't even mention a real who the person, person is, yeah. right? <laughs> Exactly. You feel someone made it up for a book, and now everyone repeats it as if it's like a personal story or something that really happened. Uh, Yeah, so he told the story of uh, the explorer Shackleton uh, leaving his men down in Antarctica, and then he wanted to come back, but no one would let him. They said, no, it's a fool's errand. They're all dead, or you're going to die trying to get them. But he came back, and they weren't lazing about. They were ready to go, and they packed up instantly. Uh, So this was a metaphor for Jesus returning to come get us and we needed to be like shackleton's men all right ready for his return wonderful so then he asked us how many of you want to be ready and many hands raised
0: yeah
1: and that was it for day seven and there was evening and there was morning the seventh day
0: and it was fine
1: but carrie huh guess what what? If you want to have the best bed possible, uh-huh. then you might want to go to Casper.
0: <gasps> Casper, wait! Ona oh, no, Ross and Carrie is supported in part by Casper Ross.
1: That's right. They're an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price.
0: They offer an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. I mean, it's shockingly fair. Right. For example, pricing for a twin size mattress is around five hundred bucks. A king size okay. mattress is about nine fifty. But That's this sucker will what last you. Would you. Expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll last you a long time, and it is high rated and well loved by many, many people I know and love myself. And you can myself. even
1: try it at no risk and return it if you don't like it. So. That won't cost you anything.
0: And it comes in this big box and you pull it out and you unfold, unravel it. It's kind of like in a burrito shape and it takes form. And you can hold this box yourself. You don't need big movers.
1: So you can even try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days and get free delivery and painless returns if you, uh, if you don't want to keep it after your trial.
0: Plus... These mattresses were made in Trump's America. America. But not no, not by Donald Trump, just in this great country of ours.
1: So you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash ohno, O-H-N-O, and using the promo code O-H-N-O at checkout.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: So I came back on day eight of the lecture series. So this would be lecture 10.
0: And I did not.
1: After a while, we would coordinate and try to figure out who could go to each one because that's a lot of work these are a lot of lectures every Friday Saturday Sunday and Monday yes so this was Monday it was MLK day
0: I was going to see my friend Mitch Silpa's show at the groundlings and it was great it was about how he grew up being on a bunch of game shows
1: that's cool
0: yeah I interesting had tickets for a while
1: that was still Satan trying to keep you away from these lectures yeah, well which is quite a coincidence because the name of this lecture was Satan's secret plan
0: what Oh. To
1: keep Carrie away from these lectures.
0: It's kind of funny, though. Like, David made this big deal about how Satan will try to keep you away, but then if you missed it, he's like, well, here's the video.
1: Right, right. That's true. But I mean,
0: which is, I mean, really great that he will give you the video, but it's like.
1: At the same time, he really wants bodies in seats. Yeah. This one was actually pretty poorly attended. I think this was the first time that we were around 50 mm-hmm. people.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know 50 if it was. It doesn't seem that bad. But
1: compared to the average, which was usually 70. It felt like it was okay. dropping down kind of okay. from day to day at this point.
0: sort of precipitous drop. Mm-hmm.
1: Dave came up to me at the very beginning and he apologized to me. He said, I'm sorry, I saw your hand the other day and I'm really sorry I didn't call on you. Uh-huh. I just, I do this a lot and I found that when I do call on people, like then everyone starts raising their hands uh-huh. and we just can't keep the conversation going. So I said, oh yeah, totally understand. And I didn't ask him my questions then, but I did later.
0: That is But then he should not ask people to do that.
1: Right. And tell them, like, (laughs) if I say anything wrong, make (laughs) sure to call me out. Yeah. Gil was doing the introductions this time, not Lowell. And he told this joke that I had heard many times about this pastor who asked his congregation, for next Sunday, I really want you to read Mark 17. All right? That's your assignment. And then the next week, everybody came back and he said, now, how many of you read Mark 17? And then, like, everyone raises their hands and he says, well, you're all liars. Because there is no Mark 17.
0: Oh. It ends at chapter
1: 16. So I totally knew where this was going. He's like, oh, I've heard this so many times. Uh, it was cute. And the way he delivered Did it Did people funny.
0: actually raise their hands, though?
1: He was telling the story about the minister oh, asking his okay. congregation. Okay, got it. And then Gil said something about how he used to be a thief. I wasn't mm. sure about that. Yeah, just the way he said that.
0: Gil's backstory is fun. Should we say? Do you want to? I, I is mean, it time?
1: I will have. If if you want to.
0: I'll tell him if you will. Okay. All right, I'll, show you, I'll show him you'll show. Why don't you tell him? Okay. Gil, supposedly, is... Okay, so first of all, Gil's like 23.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a young guy.
0: He says he used to be a professional rapper.
1: A rapper in Indiana. Though he freely admits there's not much of a career for white rappers in Indiana.
0: He says his name was Gizmo with two Zs.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: I looked it up. There is a rapper named Gizmo with two Zs. Gizmo. He is a black man. Oh. I can't find any white rapper named Gizmo with two Z's. But interesting. But- Gil did say I I don't know if there's any video up of me. Okay. And apparently he is a former thief.
1: I don't know. Like he said that and I didn't know what to make of it, so I just wrote it down.
0: I really feel like this is one of those, like, oh shoot, I need to have a conversion story.
1: Then again, he said something about his three-hour commute, and I asked him about it later, and he's like, No, I was just kidding. I don't have a three-hour commute.
0: You sound like the bears in Splash Mountain. <laughs>
2: well, so does Gil. <laughs> so uh around this
1: time uh jim came to join me so i had uh a company and i'm thinking boy jim is a real trooper you know he doesn't have a podcast but Yeah, that's true. He's showing up for these lectures. He was into it. And
0: he didn't know we were going on the first day. He just came because he was interested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Dave made a few comments when he came up, told this little joke about an atheist in court one day complaining. So there was this atheist who was complaining he didn't have any holidays. And the judge said, oh, no, there is a holiday for you, April 1st, because Uh... it says in the Bible, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God.
0: Clap 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 mm-hmm. clap
1: clap 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 And then he was on a roll, so he shared some other atheist humor. He said, It's just like an atheist in a grave, all dressed up and no place to go.
0: Clap, 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 <laughs> If I were that atheist in court, I'd want to be like, Okay, can I have April first off then? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. and really we'll get to their theology later about what happens when you die, but but really they think everybody's all dressed up with no place to go. True. So hmm. And then he mentioned that he didn't mean to pick on atheists, Mm -hmm. just in case any of us were worried about that. Much
0: like the Catholics. Mm -hmm.
1: Then Dave goes into his regular pitch for all the upcoming talks. And I think we could have saved a lot of time if we just left out the pitches for the future talks. We know we're coming back. But this is where we are all wondering, how long are these going? Yeah. Because this was the 10th lecture on the 8th day, and... The major ones that had been listed with the times and the dividings of times in the brochure were only 10. And so we thought, oh, maybe this is the end of it. But it does say topics include over 20 in all. And so he said, how many of you thought that today was the last lecture? And so me and a bunch (laughs) of other people (laughs) raised their hands. There's a lady in front of me who said, I did? (laughs) And uh, he said, well, if we put them all in the brochure, it would have been overwhelming for people. Essentially, he was admitting, yeah, the, <laughs> right, if we told everybody up front how long this was going to be, no one would actually show up. He said, but this is important. It's a rare opportunity. And I've heard from so many people that this is the most they have ever learned about scripture mm-hmm. by attending these, these seminars.
0: So this is bait and switch number three. I, th- I think we kind of dropped the ball on our counting, but at sure. least three, yeah.
1: And then they asked, who has been here every night? And about 10 people raised their hands. Uh, He told them, good news. You are allowed now to keep your Bibles. Hey! You can take those home with you.
0: God, that's a good looking Bible. Uh, But
1: don't worry. However many you've missed, after you've attended 10 total... You are welcome to keep a Bible. I could get the Bible the next day I was there, legitimately. So this lecture was all about sin and the law. He set it up by saying that the wages of sin are death. Of course, as we all know from Romans 6.23, we all know that. Mm -hmm. And then what is sin? Sin is transgression of the law. So then we, again, go rapidly through the scriptures, and we learn that happiness is keeping the law. The laws keep us alive. The devil goes around roaring like a lion. Man, we're shooting everywhere in the Bible. New Testament, Old Testament, right, left, up, down. We can know about what sin is because we have the law. And then there was this whole discussion about how the law predates Moses and so that people before Moses were also responsible for knowing the law because these things are taught naturally. God gave us a conscience. So there's all these verses sure. about Adam that. Sure, Adam
0: and Eve got punished before mm-hmm. Moses. Uh-huh.
1: People before Moses, like Abraham, had an understanding of what was right and what was wrong. Fair enough. So, yeah, how could Abraham obey and keep God's commandments if the Mosaic law wasn't there because God had already given us the law?
0: So the Ten Commandments were just sort of to codify the things we already knew. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then we're reminded that if you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments.
0: So basically, so far, this talk is just rules are good.
1: Yeah, that's a good summary of the first part. And then there was this discussion of Jesus's relationship to that existing law. The important part there was that he didn't do away with it. So that's always been a big debate in Christianity mm-hmm. is, did Jesus do away with the law and kind of replace it with something new? Or did he just fulfill the law? Do all of those old commandments stay in play?
0: And he pretty explicitly said, I came here to fulfill the law.
1: And then the question is, what does that mean, essentially? Right. He drew this interesting distinction between the Ten Commandments, which were actually written by God's hand, and all of Moses' law, all these other commands you know, the 613 uh, rules in the the Old Testament. And so those ones are the ceremonial laws. Those are the ones that went away, whereas the moral law and the Ten Commandments, that's what is really important. That's, you know, what doesn't ever change.
0: Why? Why do those go away?
1: Because they wanted to wear polyester.
0: (laughs) Did he give a reason, though?
1: Yeah, well, it was essentially because God had written the other one specifically but Moses uh. had written the ceremonial laws mm-hmm. so those aren't as important so yeah there was a little kind of diagram about that the the other common debate in the churches between faith and works and mm-hmm. you know how much of your salvation is just accepting god's grace and how much of it is you actually doing things to make the world a better place. So their take seemed to be pretty much that if you have grace, if you receive that, then just naturally you're going to want to do these good things, but that the focus shouldn't be on the works themselves. That's not how you're saved, which is what I was raised with. So that all sounded very familiar.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: And then they asked for volunteers. So, of course, I raised my hand right away. They wanted seven volunteers. And so they had us stand up front. So we came up, and the first person was people and so he would have us all repeat that together people and then he said go to the the second person was church okay to hear the and the third person was the preacher
0: which one were you have we gotten to you yet not yet okay
1: talk about jesus
0: Ooh, that person lucked out
1: yeah on the cross,
0: someone was the cross.
1: That was Jim. Jim was the cross. Oh, nice! And we were all supposed to like mimic these things. So, like the <laughs> so the church person made like a little steeple above their heads, and Jim uh, put his hands out to be the cross to die for our sins. sins? That was me. I was sins. Oh, you were sins. Yeah. So, wow.
0: The cross and sins.
1: So for my pantomime, uh, made kind of a stabbing motion, like uh, I was killing good. somebody, in accordance with the. Uh, and then the last guy was law. law. Good. You know how this is going. So then he showed that if we took off any one of those, like if we removed the law, then all of a sudden none of it was connected at all. And so he showed how, like, the whole chain broke apart. You need to have the people, the church, the preacher, Jesus, cross, sins, and the law. All Uh of that is directly tied in together. And that was it. And Jim turned to me and said, That was a bait and switch. I'm kind of disappointed. Because it was called Satan's Secret Plan. There was no Satan's Secret Plan.
0: Oh, good. Bait and switch number five. Any
1: of that. And there was evening and there was morning, the eighth (laughs) day.
0: So then on day nine, you weren't there.
1: Yeah, I was gone for my inauguration party.
0: Yeah, it was inauguration day. Mm -hmm. I was really bummed out. It was also a very small turnout. When David started speaking, there were only 33 people there. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, you know, at the beginning of these, they do, we've mentioned these drawings to try to raffle off concordances and DVDs and stuff. Mm -hmm. The third person drawn did win a concordance. They had to go through three people. But Lowell said this great thing. He said, people, I have come to love you, even if you don't love me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Such a lol thing to say.
0: Oh, Lowell. Funny guy. So then Lowell says, Jesus loves all people, no matter where we are from, or our male or female, or our color, or our nation, and then when he sits down, David comes up to the mic and he's like, so Lowell, you said Jesus loves us no matter what our color is. What color are you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like pretty awkward. Lowell's like a-
1: Probably Filipino.
0: And Lowell just like stopped in his tracks, like didn't know what to say. It <laughs> was like, uh. I will ask the
1: unanswerable questions around here. <laughs>
0: I don't even remember what he said. It somehow it just like blew over. Uh, <laughs> David was like, "You said, you said." He loves everyone of every color. Yeah, and, no, I heard you. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's like, all right, never mind or something. And then moved on.
1: It's a good role reversal because usually it's Dave sitting there kind of staring bemusedly at Lowell uh-huh. trying to figure out what to do with the things <laughs> he's saying.
0: Yeah, a good Lowell reversal.
1: <laughs> nice. All right,
0: so then David's like, all right, who wants to talk about politics tonight? Because it's the inauguration uh-huh. day. And a bunch of people are like, no. And I was thinking, like, I kind of do. Because, like, I, I was in a mad place, Ross. Yeah. But he's like, good. I don't want to talk about it either. So we'll talk about eternal things that surpass all political divisions tonight. So he says, OK, someone said that a flood's coming tomorrow. Did you guys hear this? And it might stop the traffic coming into Burbank.
1: It was raining quite heavily around that time.
0: But David says, do not let that stop you. God will protect you. God will get oh, you no. here tomorrow. I know. <laughs>
1: it would have been terrible if somebody got stranded or drowned or
0: something. I know. Uh, nothing happened. Spoiler. But yeah. So then David tells us about this is bizarre. Tells us about a man who left, a man who, in his will, Left all his money to himself because he believed in reincarnation, okay, not true. can't be true, not true.
1: Oh, yeah. that that actually happened, right, Sure.
0: so Dexter sang a solo, a woman accompanied him on a synthesizer. He forgot the words. Oh no, um,
1: yeah, there were always these little interludes with the mic system not working, or there'd be this giant pop all of a sudden, and all of us would like grab our ears in pain. Oh uh-huh. they were putting on a show, and it's a lot of work every night.
0: Oh, for sure. Then David prayed, and he's you weren't there. Uh, He said, "For those that are missing, I pray that you bring them, even if they're late." Oh, (laughs) nope, did not come. I stayed.
1: I stayed elsewhere.
0: So uh, maybe an extra ten or so people did make it after that. So we got to somewhere around forty-five. David asked, "Okay, what part of the law deals with time?" Immediately, someone said, "The fourth commandment." I was like, whoa, <laughs> like <laughs> that's such a specific answer to a not specific question. Right. what well, part of the law deals with time. The uh, so I wrote down, wow, like these people really know their stuff. So David's like, yes, exactly. The fourth commandment. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, Christianity is a beautiful extension of Judaism. And I'm like. What is happening? Like, where is this talk going to go today? This is real all over the place. Then he starts saying, you know what's the biggest attack on Jesus? The Sabbath. What? What? The biggest
1: attack on Jesus, the Sabbath, okay. the Sabbath. I thought it was rock and roll.
0: So now I'm just so confused. Okay, Christianity's a continuation of Judaism- the Sabbath the time, the fourth commandment, what is happening? What are we talking about? Then he starts talking about scuba diving for seriously four or five minutes. He just starts showing us slides of his underwater photos from scuba diving. What? Yes, he's like, I love to scuba dive. And when I scuba dive, I'm just, I just marvel at God's wonders of creation. And when you look at these, is it even possible that there is no God? I mean, look at all these fish. And then he
2: <laughs> starts
0: showing us like clownfish and stuff. And he's like, look how amazing and intricate these are. And I'm like, what is going on?
1: That's so weird. Yeah, I have so many things in my notes where I remember him telling a story, but I have no idea what it has to do with the surrounding areas.
0: Right. That um, could be
1: my fault. Maybe I just missed the connective fibers, but
0: I don't know. That doesn't man. surprise me. Yeah. So he said, I don't know how someone can be a scuba diver and not believe in a master creator. So then that connected to the idea of God creating the world, right? So God created all these things, all these yes. amazing creatures. And then what happened after God created them?
1: He rested.
0: He rested. Now, why did God rest?
1: He's tired. No. 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 That was a lot of work.
0: So he says in his leading question way, now, was it because God was tired? (laughs) So everyone's like, no. And he's like, no, God wasn't tired. What does a lawyer say when he's done with an argument? He says, I rest Rest my case. case. Oh, no. In the same way, God rested his Ugh. creation. Well, he it... was all done.
1: Okay, that's ridiculous. Why <laughs> why then would we call it a day of rest? Like, is it a day where we rest our case? Also I rest my case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, like this is in the original language. This wasn't written in English where these oh. are homonyms.
1: Yeah, okay. Totally not oh buying that argument. Goodness, ridiculous. I rest my case. <laughs>
0: Okay, so then he starts showing us these Nathan Green paintings. He's like, I love this guy named Nathan Green. He paints these beautiful biblical portraits.
1: Are those the ones that we've been seeing all along? Yes. Okay. But
0: this is the first time he gave a name to the artist. Okay. People can look these up.
1: Clearly a competent artist, well-rendered, if stiff compositions. Yes. Good description. Um, Yeah, kind of uninspiring, but, Mm -hmm. well, for Dave, inspiring.
0: Inspiring, yeah. I don't know. They feel very familiar to me, even if I haven't Mm -hmm. seen them. I don't know if I have or not because it's just like, oh, yep, okay, there's Jesus next to a school child who's doing his homework. You know, it's just like really typical scenes of Jesus with everyday people or Jesus in biblical scenes being recreated. shows us a bunch of those. So then he says, now the month, the week, and the year are all related to the sun and the moon, right? We get all those from (laughs) Mm -hmm. where where the sun and the moon are in the sky. I
1: think I know where this is going. Okay.
0: But the week.
1: Where does that come from?
0: Where does that come from? It has nothing to do with the sun or the moon. And people who don't believe in the Bible, they have no explanation for this. (laughs) But we- We know it's from God's creation.
1: Like you can't just have arbitrary units of time.
0: Or people can't say, yes, I acknowledge that that might be from the Christian tradition. Right,
1: right. (laughs) But that doesn't make it true. Right. What does he say about Thursday being named after Thor and Wednesday after Odin?
0: Didn't mention it.
1: And Friday after Frigga.
0: So, okay. So then he says the Sabbath is a perpetual memorial. If we'd always kept the Sabbath, we wouldn't have evolutionists and atheists. (gasps) Yep, mm-hmm, that's oh, right. what? If you look at Mount Rushmore, you know that that's created. Therefore, Earth is created. Oh, no. <laughs> Our cells are really complex. Therefore, there's no evolution. Okay? Very confusing. Wow. I don't know, like, why these two points are connected. Like, uh-huh. it's a very anti-evolution, but we're also talking about keeping the Sabbath holy. So then he, he tells us, okay, now let's talk about the day. Usually people think about the day as being from midnight to midnight. But now... It says in the Bible that- Sundown. Sun- yeah, sunset to sunset is one day. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. God created it, he was like, the sun went down and it was one day and it was good, blah, Evening blah,
1: blah. and morning, yeah, okay. Right.
0: And he rested on the seventh day. And if you look at a freaking calendar, the seventh day is Saturday. So we should be honoring the Sabbath from sundown on Friday evening to sundown on Saturday evening. That's the Sabbath. And so I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. now I get what's happening. Okay. Boy, oh boy. Boy, the evolution thing sure threw me for a loop <laughs> and your scuba photos, but okay, you're just pitching me Seventh-day Adventism, Sabbath day. Right. I don't know why this is in the middle of your Revelation seminar, but okay, that's right. what's happening. Yeah,
1: yeah. What does this have to do with the end times?
0: Right. So then I text you and I'm like, oh my God Uh (laughs) uh-huh we're just being bitch seventh day adventism now like just straight up oh yes to really drive this point home he says jesus died on friday rested on saturday and rose on sunday he was actually obeying the sabbath even in death
1: what how though oh because he rested by being dead by being dead ross all right. Yep. I find it interesting that the scriptures will say that he was dead for three days, and yet he yes died on a Friday, and then he arose on a Sunday morning.
0: Also, you'd think with this whole day-year prophetic thing, mm-hmm. all those things saying that he would be dead for three days would mean he'd be dead for three years.
1: Yes, <laughs> that is a problem <laughs> but they can just say that particular part wasn't prophecy
0: but i mean it was prophecy when they were saying it before his Though life if
1: he'd been dead for three years then that would match up better with that seven year period
0: oh boys this is too much <laughs> okay so ross who do you think changed the sabbath from saturday to sunday take a wild guess
1: probably a pope
0: the Catholic freaking church. Can you believe it? They would. What a now, beast. This is actually true. The Catholic church did switch it yeah. from Saturday to yeah. Sunday. Yeah.
1: That is true. Yeah. And I think they make a fair point yeah. in all of this that, yeah, originally the Sabbath that we all worshiped on was the Saturday.
0: <laughs> we. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like the Catholics try to hide this. They're like, yep, we switched. What they say is we switched the solemnity to Sunday. Amazing Facts feels that this is just another move of the antichrist Mm. to usurp the power of god's word for themselves
1: the way i always learned about the sabbath and keeping it holy was that you have a day of rest every week aha yes so you know what if it's monday as long as you're taking one day out of the week to rest what does it matter
0: this is addressed ross okay yeah all right a lot of people say the kind of bullshit you're saying right now like
1: me okay Uh all right they
0: say oh Oh, as long as I'm doing it someday, what does it matter what day it's on? And maybe they'll pick out this one verse that says, yeah, there's a verse that says what you're saying too. Okay. That they say, ah, pooey, that there are so many verses that specifically say the seventh day, the seventh day, the seventh day, and this is the only commandment that starts with the word remember okay. remember the sabbath and keep it holy now and that's important because
1: it's an because,
0: anomaly because god knew that we would
1: forget hey do you know all your 10 commandments
0: commandment one uh-huh pick up your socks
1: nope
0: i'm the lord your god yes don't have any other gods besides me oh
1: very good that's number
0: two two love your neighbors yourself ha ha cheat Nope. Well, that's what Jesus said. Right, right. See, so.
1: (laughs) In fifth grade, I played King Josiah in our school play. And there's actually a fun story about King Josiah because he's the one who rediscovered God's law. Mm -hmm. Many scholars think that perhaps that's when... A lot of the Bible was written in the time of King Josiah, and they pretended to find it like, oh, look, all this stuff was hidden. Look, we have now this history. Uh, Anyways, so I played him, and there's a song called Count to Ten, and that's how I still remember my Ten Commandments, is that I I sing that song in my head. Cool. One, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Two, don't bow down to idols, that's not smart. Three, never take the Father's name in vain. Four, keep the Sabbath holy. Six, remain. Five, honor father and mother. Six, don't take the life of another. Seven, don't be a louse. Be faithful to your spouse. It goes on.
0: Stretching. (laughs) David says if God wanted to change the day of the Sabbath, he would have made that clear, just like he's made everything else clear so far in this seminar. Well,
1: that's what I really love about the scripture is how clear it is. (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah. So then David's like, okay, now I see people in the audience processing this. I see that this is hard. You're thinking, I go to church and maybe you worship on a different day and this is hard. But listen, disobeying one law is as bad as disobeying them all. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) But
0: I don't want you to feel condemned because you didn't even know.
1: But now Um, you know, so if you keep doing it, you're totally condemned.
0: Yeah, exactly. Why'd you have to tell us, Dave? (laughs) He prays, the meeting's over, and actually, I went up to talk to him. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: there was this other woman waiting to talk to him, too. And she said to him, well, you know, my church worships on Sunday. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know? And he's like, "Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about that. Like, we'll we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> about how
1: you need to find a church that worships on the right day. Right. Oh, they she, will,"
0: she said. "So, what do Seventh Day Adventists do?" And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting that she'd say that phrase, because that's what Cause I they to ask him yet. about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what I was there to ask him about. And he kind of brushed that aside and was like, we 'Well, we'll we'll talk more. We'll talk more.'" So then I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, David, hi. It's funny she would ask you that because I was going to ask you kind of the same thing. So what denomination are you guys affiliated with? And he was like, Hmm. oh, me or amazing facts? (laughs) And I was like, amazing facts. And he was like... Uh, None. Amazing Facts is 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 non-denominational. It 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 preaches to all Christian Mm, religions. mm -hmm. I was like, oh Mm -hmm. okay, because you know she mentions Seventh Day Adventism, and like a lot of stuff you're saying kind of reminded me of that. He's like, okay, well we'll we'll talk we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more (laughs) about that. But like it was so obvious at this point that that's we're
1: only eleven lectures in. Right. (laughs) Give me time. Goodness. But
0: it's becoming so obvious. And we're both wondering at this point, like, why are you even hiding this? What's your game? You know? <laughs> right. So what? strange. So, yeah, at
1: this point, we don't know how many lectures there will be total. Mm-hmm. No idea. No way of knowing. And we don't know what church they represent. Yep. At least they won't say it. Yep. So weird.
0: That was the first day that I was just like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Where we've left the end times altogether.
0: Yeah. Oh, but Ross. Yes? Do you like Maximum Fun? I
2: love Maximum Fun. Do
0: you like the other shows on the network? They're great. What about this one?
2: The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made, featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Lori Metcalf, Felicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Astin, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Alison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, and Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Shipka, Ed Week, Zack Knight, and Carrie Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, Alexander Torres, Robert Sumner, Emily and many more. Listen at maximumfun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. Yeah, that one's good.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking.
2: All right,
1: so now we're back in force for day 10 or lecture 12, and both of us showed up this time. This was a Saturday, so we started at 6 p.m. This was actually a part two to the Sabbath talk. Goodness. Because they didn't make it clear enough for you the day before. So Lowell did the introduction. And And I
0: wasn't here yet. I was a little late.
1: He would do these corny questions, you know, things like, oh, what was the first mention of baseball in the Bible? And then all kind of look at each other like, mm, I don't know. He'd say, in the big inning. Like, oh, yes. Uh. I remember that one. But then he asked us for this particular session, he said, what was the first mention of medicine in the Bible? Or who was the first person to be prescribed medicine in the Bible? And I said, Moses. And he said, oh, very good. Why? And I said, because God gave him two tablets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so I won breakfast. He,
0: Yay! He, I know what that means.
1: Uh huh. So I got breakfast crackers and a little squeeze tube that had applesauce in it.
0: What is his hookup with these like Costco foods?
1: I don't know, but he sure stocked up. So uh, then he referred to me as the smartest man in the room.
0: <laughs>
2: That's sweet.
1: And that became my new moniker. Everybody would refer to me as like, "Oh, he's so smart," because <laughs> I get these silly jokes that I've heard before. <laughs> I really don't deserve credit for that. Uh, So then we did our five questions per usual. And I always took a picture of the final slide of the five questions. So I'll be posting those to Facebook. Yes,
0: you were very diligent about that. So you can
1: follow along. So yeah, we launch back into the Sabbath, and I wasn't there for the previous day, so this is new to me. But then Carrie arrives around this time like, no, we're still talking about the Sabbath? (laughs) Are you kidding me? Uh, So we learn that Sabbath was established at creation, and we look at Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments that we all mostly know is located. Oh, he does a quick aside to promote some of the upcoming talks, And lets us know that tomorrow we will be at a different location.
0: Right.
1: So we'll talk about that. uh, A
0: suspicious location.
1: With the next day. I have to say the uh, attendance kind of was back up again this particular day. We had about 70 people there Mm -hmm. uh, at the Holiday Inn in Burbank. We were also given a homework assignment. He wanted us to read Revelation 20 before the next service. Right. I read it four times.
0: Oh, I read it one time. Well.
1: (laughs) Nina then sang for us a song called Temple Made of Time.
0: Oh, that was pretty. I liked that.
1: Yeah, and it even mentioned, I think, in the song that Sabbath is Saturday.
0: Oh, right. So then wouldn't it have been great if that was just the whole thing? The Sabbath is Saturday. <laughs> I just want to be clear, it's not Friday, it's not Sunday.
1: Was partly the gist of the song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> SNL is on the Sabbath. Ah. If you work for SNL, you're not doing it right.
1: Then Dave gets to his knees to pray again, as usual. In the prayer, he mentioned that we are not an accident. We are not the product of an explosion. Mm, All right.
0: He meant the Big Bang. He did. Not someone ejaculating.
1: No, he probably didn't mean that. we all are. So this lecture was called The Missing Text.
0: Ah, uh, right. Okay. He
1: started with a little nod to the Bible saying, oh, people thought that the earth was flat, but they should have just read their Bibles because it says in Isaiah forty, twenty two, he sitteth upon the circle of the earth.
0: Ah, yes. But
1: we could also point out the earth is not a circle. Mm-hmm. It is a sphere or an oblong sphere. Right? Okay. Yeah. So you could have a flat earth that's just a circle.
0: Or like the part in the Bible where the sun stops in the sky.
1: Right, There's right. a lot of
0: things that would not be totally clear with the science we know now. <laughs>
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. He mentioned a town in New England called Quibbletown, and it was named that because people fought back and forth about whether Sabbath was on Saturday or Sunday. Oh,
0: right. And I looked this up, but I do like the name Quibbletown.
1: Quibbletown. Quibble
0: Town. It looks like maybe there was at one time. Oh, okay. Because now there's a Piscitani, New Jersey that has a Quibbletown middle school in it. So alright hmm. I'm, right. I'm going to not call foul on that.
1: Sounds good. Um, we were then introduced to eight texts for the first day. So these were just texts letting us know that Sunday was unanimously in the Bible described as being the first day. We're, we're happy okay, to we get it. cede that point. Fair yeah, enough.
0: so funny how denominations will like cling on to these things as like the most important thing to hammer home.
2: Right. You know,
0: like for some it's like baptism by water or baptism by immersion. For some it's the Sabbath. For some it's what you eat. You know, like, no, right. this is the thing that we do different. So it's the most important thing. Right.
1: Exactly. He wanted to clear up some of these fence posts. Again, his analogy for parts of scripture that don't line up perfectly with what they see as the central message. So in John 20, there's like a mention of the church assembling on a Sunday, but he wanted to make it clear that no, no, this was just for one special purpose. They and were they were scared, so they got together that day.
0: And then he mentions that they had been meeting so much, they were so tired that one of them fell out of the rafters. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like,
1: Eutychus in mm-hmm. Acts 20. Uh, he was so tired, he fell asleep like from the third floor, And then Paul brings him back to life because he fell so hard he died. Yeah. And then there's also 1 Corinthians 16. And some people think Paul is telling us to collect offering during a Sunday service. But they were just hungry that particular day. So he had some little excuse for why that was an example of having church on a Sunday.
0: But this really brings up a good point. What if on Saturday you do keep the Sabbath? What if you worship that day you don't work that day you study your bible all day but you also attend a service on sunday you know i mean i don't see what the problem yeah would really be yeah later an analogy he'll use is like putting up flags for two nations that are at war if iraq and the u.s are at war and you put up the iraq flag and the u.s flag it's just not clear which side you're on He's very clear that, like, he thinks you need to be on the side of the Sabbath keepers.
1: Right. So then he goes through a long list of other churches uh, the Anglican, Baptist, Church of Christ, Congregationalist Church, and like certain people from each of those churches and them admitting these various quotes that he has called that. Saturday is actually the day of worship and that it's kind of arbitrary that Sunday was chosen. So he gets all this support from different members of different denominations. We get it. Yeah. Oh, man. Dead horse being beaten Yeah. mercilessly. We
0: didn't need this second talk.
1: I wrote here in my notes, is it really this important? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, then we're told that Satan really has this urge to substitute the need for worship. And then Sunday is compared to worship of a sun god. It's like even there in the name Sunday. It's pagan. He keeps using the word paganism but Mm -hmm. it's one of those situations where I don't think that word means what you think Mm -hmm. it means. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I was raised with the word pagan where it's just anybody who's not Christian is pagan. Yeah, Dave can pretty much just refute something by saying it came from paganism. Mm -hmm. Then we all know like, oh, well that's bad and wrong. There was a lot of church history History looking at when this transition took place in 364 AD, Christians were prohibited from Judaizing. And so moving to Sundays was seen as a way of kind of distinguishing one from Jewish practice. That kind of drove that transition as well. And it wasn't until the Council of Trent, January 1562, that the Archbishop of Reggio declared that tradition trumps scripture. So this was just this huge, horrible thing. Like, Look, they admitted that their tradition was more important than scripture.
0: Fair enough.
1: And he had a quote from St. Catherine saying, we should logically become Seventh-day Adventists.
0: If we're to honor the real scriptural tradition on the Sabbath, then we would all be Seventh-day Adventists.
1: Another Catholic was quoted as saying that the Seventh-day Adventists are correct. So this was, I think, one of the first times that we actually heard the term Seventh-day Adventist.
0: Mm-hmm. Out this, of David's mouth, yeah.
1: Right, in this lecture series. He goes to the encyclopedia. He goes to the dictionary. All to establish that Sunday is the first day and Saturday is the seventh day. Yes, we get we it. so
0: We get it. get it. We couldn't get it any more than we do. I
1: wrote here... Carrie is bored. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: <laughs> I could see you falling out of your head. And he even asked, Is God so particular? Yes. <laughs> he didn't like Cain's sacrifice. He punished Lot's wife for looking back. He really cares about.
0: Those are Old Testament stories about people committing sins that you would think shouldn't be sins, but.
1: Not such a big deal. Yeah. Looking back towards and then Sodom he and Gomorrah. Punished Gamora. them
0: in terrible ways.
1: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm.
0: If you weren't brought up in Christianity and you want to read a horrifying story, read the story of Lot. Oh, yeah. Holy moly. That's
1: a bad one. And keep reading after Sodom and Gomorrah.
0: The whole story, I mean, other than Lot's wife, everyone in the story is just so screwed up. (laughs) Poor Lot's wife gets punished, and she's the only person who, like, you're like, okay, you're okay. Yeah, everyone else, you're just like, what's wrong with you? Why is everyone in this story, like, such a fuck-up?
1: Lot is awful. Like, he offers his daughters to the crowd, like, here, have your way with them.
0: Yeah, rape my daughters.
1: But leave these men of God alone. Oh, my
0: God. Everyone's terrible. Anyway.
1: Then David tells this long story about this prison camp where this man is sent, and he refuses to work on Saturday, and so he's beaten, and he's put like in this box for many hours and days on end, but he still keeps refusing, and then finally the, the supervisor allows him to do that, and he's rewarded for observing the Sabbath. And so the the message was, even if you are persecuted for it, even if you lose your job, it is worth it to not work on the Sabbath.
0: Wasn't this a Ukrainian story?
1: It was Ukrainian.
0: This was one of the, (laughs) this is probably the second or third time we heard him mention this story is from the Ukraine, where my wife is from. David loves to tell you how his wife is from Ukraine. Uh This became a running gag between us because nearly any time he would mention his wife, Nina, he would be like, you know, Nina's from the Ukraine. It would be completely irrelevant to what he was talking about (laughs) a good half the time. Sometimes it was relevant, but a good half the time, it did not make sense. This man was was
1: Ukrainian. Like my wife, Nina, she
0: is Ukrainian. She is also Ukrainian. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this story happened to be written by like a Ukrainian author and he was like, This story is from the Ukraine, much like my wife, Nina. (laughs) Okay, got it.
1: So what we learned that day is the same thing that you learned the previous day, which is that God will always help you find a way to not work on Saturdays. Great. And if any of you are still unconvinced, if you need more info on this, you can go to sabbathtruth.com. They've got a website dedicated to this. And that was it for lecture number 12. But we stuck around because next came... Investing for blessings. And I was kind of interested in this one. Like, are they gonna give us financial advice from the Bible? Mm-hmm. But still, we're we're far away from the end times. So at this point, we were already running late from the previous one. It was like 8 20. I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh, when am I gonna get home? But Dave always promises us the second lecture is the shorter lecture.
0: Right. I won't run my mouth off. So this is gonna be all about how I should invest my money, how I can earn big dividends. No what?
1: Dave leads with one of those leading questions. Does Jesus care for us? (laughs) No. (laughs) Even our finances. It's all about obeying God and God will take care of you if you obey him. We confess our sins and uh, so many scripture verses. But what they're all leading toward are 10 financial principles that are in the Bible. The first is that you give and so we see all these verses about given it shall be given, so when you shall reap, etc. He even told an aside here about a Sabbath keeper that he knew who worked on an oil rig and made a bunch of money working seven days a week, but then he lost it all after a car crash. Coincidence? It was this message essentially that if you ignore the Sabbath, you know, God will punish you. And Wait, you'll but lose it, was a it all in keeper? but like he made an exception or oh, he okay. he strayed from his Sabbath keeping okay. to get this lucrative job but then I he, see. then he got in a car crash I and see. had to spend all that money and lost it but then he said I know a Sabbath keeper who always was tempted to harvest his alfalfa on Saturdays but mm-hmm. he resisted and God always blesses him so there you have it. Those two anecdotes (laughs) should show you. If you give tithe, God will use funny math to bless you.
0: Oh, right. As long as you give 10% of your income, like, you'll just always be able to pay your bills.
1: Right. And he told the story about how once the IRS audited him, and they ended up owing him $9,000. Mm-hmm. So this is just, you know, God will find ways to work the financial system. And if you're faithful to him, you're going to get these special breaks. So he lets us know that we can all be stewards. We can be part of his family. thought that Uh, was pretty cute. his last
0: name's Steward. Uh-huh.
1: Then he jokingly mentioned, I have a wealthy father. And everybody said, amen. The other financial advice, so number one was give. The second principle is keep the Sabbath. Number three is tithes and offerings. They want you to give 10% of your earnings Mm -hmm. to the church. And this is where I was gearing myself up. I felt like, oh, they're going to do like the big pitch at the end of this. I
0: remember writing a note to you like, are they going to ask us for 10% of our income?
1: Yeah, I know. I was really like gearing myself up up for that kind of pressure pitch, Yeah, they're saying that you're returning the tithe. It's not even yours to begin with. Right. You're giving this back to God. It's not like those pagans in Bali or India who leave these love gifts for their idols and they just sit there and rot. No, this is Money that can help further God's work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Number four is avoid debt. So we get some verses telling us not to get into debt.
0: One story that he told that I've been thinking about ever since this day is someone who wanted to go to college but didn't want to take out any student debt. Mm -hmm. And so David just made this sound so easy. He was like, so he saved up a bunch of money and he got some sponsors. Mm -hmm. He worked and he graduated with no student debt. And I was like, whoa, tell me more about these sponsors. Right. Because it sounds like... Your Seventh Day Adventist church, like, has some sweet hookups for college students, is what this sounds like.
1: <laughs> That'd be nice. Number five: avoid getting rich quick schemes. That's good That's advice. Good advice. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Better advice is probably how to identify them, but
1: sure. Yeah. But you know, step in the right direction.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, he talks about uh, a woman who lost four hundred thousand dollars to a Nigerian scam.
0: Oh yeah. Heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, super sad stuff. Uh, then he mentions not to gamble. That's a sin. And he says, I bet you can't give it up. Ah,
0: very good. See what good. he did there.
1: Number six, make wise investments. Number seven, save. As Proverbs 21 says, the foolish man spendeth it up. These
0: seem like kind of obvious tips.
1: Yeah, you know, fine. Number but eight, no, yeah. be content with what you've got. Yeah,
0: that's good, yeah.
1: Very good advice. Number nine, work.
0: <laughs> okay, yes. I, yep, I support that.
1: Number 10, lay up treasure in heaven. Okay. Are you putting your money into eternal things, Carrie? Things that are going to last forever?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And then he mentions that he himself was convicted by the Holy Spirit to leave his DA job and work for Amazing Facts as a speaker. And then God brought Nina into his life. Someone offered to buy them an RV. Yeah, That was the big success story there. God provided that through a wealthy donor.
0: He would think Amazing Facts would give him enough of a salary to buy an RV, but...
1: That person even bought him the truck to pull it with.
0: Yeah, so very, very nice. Very
1: generous, yeah. So God provides and takes care of you, or that donor guy.
0: (laughs) Maybe the donor was Jesus Christ himself.
1: So he challenged us all that if we're struggling with this, just to test God out, you know, try it, give that money and God will reward you.
0: This reminds me of an intern at my church when I was in high school. She told a story about being like in financial straits at one point and how she like didn't know if she'd make it and she still tithed to that month. And then her sister sent her a check for money and she was able to like make her rent that month, which is like really nice. But it was also like, this doesn't sound really out of the blue. It sounds like your sister just knew you right. needed money. Oh,
1: I heard so many stories like that growing up. Again, where you could just think like, wait, no, it really sounded like someone was aware that you needed financial help. Yeah. But I've heard so many stories of people just saying like, oh, the check showed up from my aunt at just the right moment, or a random lady we barely knew sent us this money and said, oh, I felt you could use it. And it was right when we had prayed. Mm -hmm. At this point, we pray, we're wrapping up, and I'm really getting ready for this pitch. And Lowell even has 10 people in the audience stand up and he says, these are the faithful tithers from our congregation who have made this possible, like they've paid for this seminar. So we're like, oh, thank you, and kind of clap for them. But David then makes it very clear that we are not expected to give them money, that they don't even- We are guests. Yeah, and they said, we don't even take donations. Yeah, it was like a very clear injunction that we don't want your money right now. Uh, So I was impressed that they really weren't trying to make a a big cash grab
0: then and there. Oh, for sure. There is a different bait and switch happening, but it's not a financial one.
1: Indeed. Well, that was it for Day 10 and Lecture 13. But is it over yet, Carrie? No. No, we have no idea how many more there are, but we know there's another one the next day on Sunday. We kept seeing these pitches coming for future ones, and it just kept extending farther and farther into the future. So we'll stop there, but we'll be back with more stories of what we learned in Amazing Facts Part Three.
0: And let me tell you just a little cliffhanger here. We'll find out a little more about Doug Bachelor, the person who founded Amazing Facts and leads Amazing Facts. Indeed. And there are some amazing facts about Doug Bachelor. Oh boy. I can't wait to tell you. Some of which you don't know yet, Ross. Hootie dooty
1: doody. doody. Yeah, just the ones that I know are wild.
0: Oh man, it's a good time. Don't miss this.
1: Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
0: Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer.
1: You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C.
0: You can support this and all our investigations by going to maximumfund.org forward slash donate.
1: Do donate. <laughs> Don't donate.
0: Don't. You. <laughs>
1: and thank you to all of our supporters We hugely appreciate your support, but please do not give us 10% of your income.
0: Well, if you want to. No, don't do it. But only if you make like a lot of money.
1: I don't think any podcast should get 10% of your income.
0: (laughs) I'll leave it up to the listener. All
1: right. Feel free to give us positive reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever it is that you download podcasts. Let other people know about it. Tell your friend.
0: Okay. Bye, everybody.
1: And remember.
0: My name is Patrick.
2: My name is Ariel.
0: My name is Joe Coglin. The first time I uh,
2: went to MaxFunCon, I didn't know anyone. I was really uh, nervous about that.
1: Everyone said not to worry about going alone, that I'd make friends right away, that I'd have an amazing time. It turns out everyone was right.
2: I instantly had 200 new friends. I've made lifelong friends at MaxFunCon that
0: I'm going to keep in touch with for the rest of my life. If you aren't sure if you belong at MaxFunCon, you belong. Don't be like me. Don't waste two years being too nervous. Just go already. Join Ariel, Patrick, and Joe at MaxFunCon. Tickets for MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East are on sale now at maxfuncon.com. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.